Hi. So what's your name? Priscilla Boyer. You like Elvis Presley? Of course. Who doesn't? One of the kids listening to these days. Bobby Darren, Fabian, and you. <laughs> Just what is the intent here, Mr. Presley? You got women throwing themselves at you. Why my daughter? Well, sir, I happen to be very fond of your daughter. She's much more mature than her age. 22. That's 22. 22. You don't have to worry about her. Black hair and more eye makeup. I don't know if I like it. What do you mean you don't know if you like it? He's not like you imagined. You know, there's a lot of rumors about you. Oh, I need a woman who understands that things like this might happen. Are you gonna be here or not? I want a life of my own. Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by Amir Ture and Eric Wong. Tonight we are talking about Sofia Coppola's new film, Priscilla, adapted from Priscilla Presley's book, Elvis and Me, an account of her marriage to the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley. The film stars Kaylee Spaney as Priscilla and Jacob Elordi as Elvis. It premiered at the 80th Venice Film Festival this year, in which Kaylee Spaney won the Volpe Cup for Best Actress. But before we get into the movie, should we talk a little bit about the end of the SAG After Strike, which was just announced an hour or so ago, was it? I feel like it was right before we started recording that they announced that the strike is over. I didn't over. even hear the news. I was going to say, I was, I was having yeah. dinner, and this is news to me too. Tentative agreement with AMPTP to end the SAG After Strike. Strike's still going on until 12.01 a.m., so still can't be promoting shit just quite yet. But uh, I'm sure Kevin Feige's preparing the fire hoses to wake up the Marvel's cast to start promoting their movie. Second premiere, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Right in time. It's still too late, though, right? Get Denis Villeneuve back on the horn. Still time to (laughs) get Dune 2 out there, right? That was supposed to come out last week. Or was that this Uh week? Last week? This week. I think it's this <laughs> week or next week, something like that. Honestly, I think we should just do a double feature, do a whole Barbenheimer thing, but just with Zendaya's movies, right? Do like a Challengers Dune. <laughs> Dunagers. 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 <laughs> but that's cool. So like, clearly I haven't read up on it. Guessing there isn't really much details yet, right, on what was agreed no, upon. But the last thing in contention, what I think was the AI stuff that they mentioned yesterday. So uh-huh. I'm assuming they cleared some of that up. I don't know. We'll see tomorrow. We're recording Wednesday night, so you Mm -hmm. guys will probably hear this tomorrow, but I think they're probably going to release some news detailing the terms of the deal. Congrats to SAG-AFTRA. I hope they got everything they wanted out of this. Finally, 118 days. 118 days. Crazy. 
And it's been a month since the writer's one, like over a month since the long. writer's yeah, strike. It feels like it's been really long. Well, no, the writer's strike was still longer, right? Because I think they started like three months before yeah, the yeah, actors. Yeah. So I'm glad it's over. Hopefully nothing else is in jeopardy of shifting anymore and actors can go back to promoting their movies. Hasn't stopped anything for uh, Priscilla, though, because... A24 has got their special waiver for their movies. They've complied with all of the sag after demands. So you saw Sofia Coppola, Jacob Elordi, Kaylee Spaney. They've all been doing the rounds on the talk shows promoting the movie. When did you guys see this? I saw this earlier this week. I actually just saw it on Monday. Same thing for me. I was out of town this past weekend, so I didn't have a chance to hit up a theater. So I had to watch it on Monday night as well. Hey, nice. I saw this back in October at the New York Film Festival, where it had its North American premiere there. I think I mentioned that it premiered at Venice, where Kelly Spaney won the Volpe Cup. Yeah, I am actually planning on seeing it again this Saturday with Ashley, my wife. Just in time for the podcast then, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But it's still relatively fresh for me. I mean, I've been working on a review and everything, so... This movie is a very good companion piece, obviously, to last year's Elvis. This is the second movie involving Elvis Presley in as many years. You know, obviously, it's a good companion piece to that movie, but I think they fit together better than you would think. Yeah. Baz Luhrmann's Elvis, which I remember, Derek, you didn't really like that much. Not as much as you guys, no. Kind of like this maximalist odyssey building up the myth of elvis it's almost like hagiography but then here you get like the dark b-side to that through the lens of priscilla presley it's a really interesting double feature which i'm actually excited to do and another movie that i'm reminded of maybe for a triple feature is spencer from two years ago yeah, I guess before we dive into this movie i'm actually curious what is your guys's familiarity with sofia coppola as a filmmaker. I've seen pretty much everything she's done except for like her short films, but I'm a big fan. I like her a lot. I don't know her stuff though. I think just Lost in Translation. Maybe I saw the version Suicides a million years ago. Like I didn't see the Bling Ring. Like I didn't see Marie Antoinette. So I really haven't seen any of her stuff since probably 20 years ago at this point. I'm pretty similar boat with you, Amir. I think um, I've only seen Lost in Translation and the bling ring before this so yeah i wasn't like too familiar but i like those two movies i think there's some bling ring haters out there but even i like the bling ring dude the bling ring rocks it's so good yeah her whole filmography is really good i think on the rocks is probably the weakest which is her movie with rashida jones and bill murray 2020 Mm. pandemic movie it was fine kind of minor sofia coppola but the virgin suicides incredible movie lost in translation obviously Marie Antoinette, Somewhere, The Bling Ring, The Beguiled, which I really liked too, and now Priscilla. I mean, they all have a nice little theme running through it. Female adolescence, teenage desire, gilded cages. Very apt for Priscilla too. Mm -hmm. But yeah, what'd you guys think of Priscilla? I ended up really liking this movie. Like, I remember watching Lost in Translation. I know, like, that's a really beloved movie and, like, Like I said, I do like the bling ring, but I don't think I have this as strong of emotional connection or like reaction to a movie like hers compared to something like this. I really like this. I thought it was very strong. I agree with you. I think this is very much in dialogue with Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. And I was trying to think about this and 
I don't know if I can separate this movie from that movie. It's really hard when I was watching the movie, you know, in the theater. All I can think about or kept thinking about was that movie alongside this one. And I try to like remove myself from that and like saying like, do I like this movie for what it is? Do I like it as a companion to that Elvis movie that was just a year ago? And I do find it hard to separate them. Yeah, I don't think the people involved would want to be like, forever associated with Elvis, last year's Elvis, but I get that because this movie fills in so many holes for last year's Elvis. You know, they even got Tom Hanks to reprise. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) 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 How fucking funny would it be if they got Tom Hanks to play the colonel? Oh, that would have been so awesome. Just the very last scene. But yeah, I mean, stuff that Elvis glossed over, just that toxic relationship between Elvis and Priscilla giant age gap between them Mm -hmm. i don't want to get too far ahead but they were actually really upset they couldn't get the rights to elvis's music like the estate wouldn't give them the rights to the music because they didn't like the Mm -hmm. depiction of jacob elordi's elvis but i think that worked to the strength it really adds to the isolation of the character adds to kaylee spaney's performance what didn't they have the rights to elvis's music Oh, the music. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's why you didn't hear any of his music in it. It's really interesting, like, if you listen to interviews with Sofia Coppola talking about this movie, she talks a lot about how she got around that. Mm -hmm. You know, her use of error-appropriate music that might have been something that she would have been listening to during that time or something that fits the tone of the movie. But then she got away with also, like using some of what Elvis would have covered. It's very believable, like, when he's got the piano covering a song. That's very much still Elvis without, you know, Mm -hmm. using one of his songs, right? Yeah. I think this movie in general is just very clever in the way it cast its actors. It, you Mm -hmm. know, created the architecture and like the look of Graceland. I thought it was really clever and like Mm -hmm. just some of the really slight, I think, script things that maybe not everyone might have noticed at first. But it was very blaring to me, like, some of the things that she was trying to do. So, like, definitely want to get into uh, some of those things. I really did like this movie a lot. I very much agree with you about the script being clever. I think the performances are all great. I think Sofia Coppola is, like, aiming for something here, and she hits it dead on target. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a movie I admire more than I enjoy. Mm. wasn't a fun watch for me. And it wasn't really a gripping watch. Like, Mm. I don't know. As I'm watching, I was kind of admiring the cleverness and, like, the way things were fitting together. But I wasn't, like, riveted glued to my seat. I kind of get that. Because even by the end of the movie, I do feel like, I guess with this kind of movie, with this person that's essentially, like, trapped in this situation, like, I feel like maybe you should feel some kind of catharsis right at the end where she finally gets... I mean, spoilers, I guess, for the end of the movie and her life frees herself from this situation. But even then, I kind of agree. I didn't really get that by the end, right? Like, there's no emotional swings. I can kind of get what you're saying. Yeah, it's a muted movie for sure. Yes. And it's definitely intentionally hollow, Yes, yes. No, like, I understand Mm -hmm. that that's on purpose. I get, like, hey, we're as isolated as Priscilla is. Like, I understand. Like, I get it. It just isn't fun to me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I get it. And it works, right? Maybe it works too well. Because I was like, oh, this is isolating and not fun to watch, right? But yeah, I mean, like, I can't fault the direction. I can't fault the performances. It's not like an ugly movie at all to watch. It's a pretty movie. Like, it's not crass. Unless you're like, um, you know, an Elvis worshiper. I don't think the things it's saying 
about him are like at all unfair or slander or anything like that. So like, I don't have any mm-hmm. complaints on those grounds. Um, it was, I don't know, maybe it's a movie that the, that the girls will come out for like a Barbie type of deal. Doesn't feel like a movie where someone's like, Hey, should I go see that? I definitely be like, yeah, I feel like it's one where if you're like a film person, I'd be like, sure. Or like you're into Elvis, you know? No, that's totally fair. I get it. I was really taken by its intentionality and its structure and everything. And I get, a lot of enjoyment from that, but I totally get if you're looking for something whiz bang with a little pop to it, this probably isn't it. But that's also very Sofia Coppola too, right? So mm-hmm. Elvis had pop. If you Bad like her, gave you the pop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you want that, you know what I mean, like these are the very different approaches. Yeah. So Jeff, I think you've kind of already started to elude what you thought. Like overall, what did you think of the movie? I mean, I really, really like this conversation for top 10 of the year maybe just the things that she does with the staging of graceland and kaylee spaney's performance in particular the way she carries herself it's a very physical performance too and you know the exaggerated height difference between elvis and priscilla yeah Yeah. jacob elordi's like six five she's like five four it's wild stuff to watch she does an incredible job playing her from like the age of like what 14 14 yeah like 28 <laughs> or whatever it is yeah 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 she also like you have to give her all the credit in the world for doing that i mean of course sofia coppola too for casting the proper actress who could play this one role f- through all those ages right there's no like i don't yeah. know goofy like game of thrones out of the dragon actor switching stuff right like this is <laughs> one yeah. actress doing the whole thing which is highly insane like it's incredible so i mean hats i off. also realized that we are kaylee spaney fans before anyone else probably in the entire world because we like that show devs which no one ever fucking watched oh yeah she was the i don't know if she was trans or the non-binary programmer on the show yeah, yeah, yeah remember yeah, where yeah, she right. falls from the dam the Alex Garland show, so yeah, we've liked okay. Kaylee Spaney ever since then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this movie punched me in the gut a couple of times where, you know, it's not in the text of the movie, but it's more of the structure where you're watching, like, an hour of romance between Elvis and Priscilla, and then the midpoint of the movie is she graduates high school. It's so fucked up. <laughs> it's just crazy. I was kind of ruined for that gut punch by reading your tweet about it, but you nailed it. It's brutal. I didn't even mention this in my tweet, but like his whole boys club, there's just like old dudes waiting outside of like her graduation. A high school. It's, yeah, it's yeah. really fucking wild. Skeezy. You know what I mean? I think I still prefer Austin Butler's Elvis to Jacob Elordi, but... I think Jacob Lordi is great, too. For yeah. me, Kaylee Spaney is the highlight of this. Oh, for sure. She's just phenomenal. Yeah. I think I said this probably during our Elvis talk was that I didn't know much about Elvis. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was, in a way, kind of educating me a little bit on the presence of Elvis. And like I think that's what's so strong about Austin Butler's performance and the way, like, I think Baz Luhrmann chose to approach that movie because they did have all the rights to the music, like so many of the musical numbers and like so many uh, memorable moments in like Elvis's life, right? You know, I'm mm-hmm. thinking about the comeback in like the 64 and then his time in Vegas and even yeah. all the like the circuit around America, like how, you know, Bass captures that and then really just builds up the lore, right? The legend of Elvis, I thought was really mm-hmm. successful. But then like you already alluded, this movie kind of brings to light some of the things that that movie decides to skip on, right? 
again, this is like a situation where I'm learning, like, I didn't know that they had such a huge age gap. Well, it's not a huge age gap, but they had an age gap. He, like, started pursuing her when she was in high school, when she was 14. The idea that she left her parents at, like, 16 to go live with him in Graceland. I'm learning a lot (laughs) through these two movies, so it was really quite interesting. Elvis barely mentions this stuff, right? Priscilla's in it for maybe 15 minutes max, scattered throughout the movie, and they totally gloss over the age gap thing. I mean, 10 years isn't... A lot, but, like, it's a lot when he's 24 and she's 14. You know what I mean? And, like, this movie really gets into the imbalance of the power dynamics in this relationship. She's always on the back foot. In the beginning, you're introduced to her in, like, the diner. And she's not even invited by Elvis himself. It's, like, his proxy, like, the lieutenant in the army because they're in Germany serving. And it's like, hey, you like Elvis Presley? You want to go to his house? And that's how the two meet, right? Mm-hmm. As a 14-year-old girl who fucking loves all these rock stars and stuff, what do you say to someone who asks, do you like Elvis? Of course you fucking like Elvis, right? And like to get to meet him and be the object of his affection, that's intoxicating probably for a teenage girl like that. Oh, for sure. It never wavers from that perspective of you know that imbalance there where she's always kind of in his thrall. Right. It's not important, but I just want to note the beginning of this movie has that shot of her uh, like painting her toenails or whatever and like walking on the carpet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys remember that? I was like, oh, more like Sophia Tarantino. But sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I had the exact same idea, actually. Did you think that? Yeah. I hope you guys noticed yeah. that. Well, they dated, so. Oh, there you go. Something Bingo. To think about. There you go. There you go. <laughs> to kind of elaborate on your point or like kind of push it further, like, and I think you've already kind of started talking about this, Jeff, but. Like that imbalance is shown in so many great ways in this movie. Like one thing already that it never shies away from is the height difference. And like in real life, you know, there was a height difference, but it's definitely not as much as... No. You know, these actors, right? Like Jacob Lordy's 6'5", Elvis was 6, you know, 6'0". I think Kaylee Spaney's like 5'1", when Priscilla was only like 5'4", 5'5". So like Mm. in reality, like you know, Priscilla and Elvis aren't that drastic of a height difference. I think the fact, you know, intentional or unintentional, like the fact that these two actors are so different in height really adds to that overbearing, looming over her, right? I mean, they're on different elevations the entire movie, right? Yeah. They're on different <laughs> yeah. elevations. Yeah. I love the way Graceland's presented. The limited budget of this movie is kind of shown, but it really helps. You really only see a couple spaces in Graceland. The two biggest ones being Elvis's room and then like the living room. The living room being her space. Like a lot of times when she's alone, you see her get the piano or on the carpet in the living room or whatever, right? Like that's kind of becomes her space throughout this movie. But mm-hmm. then when you go into like Elvis's room when he's there with her, the room itself feels so overbearing, right? It feels like she has no say in like how this room looks. There's like that tiger statue. It's all this blue silk that's everywhere. I mm-hmm. thought the way they portrayed that was really, really nice. Yeah. And just the way that Kelly Spaney's positioned in Graceland, that scene in the middle where she's just waiting for Elvis to come home from touring. And, you Mm -hmm. know, she's, like, adjusting herself, positioning herself in the living room and, like, posing herself, waiting for Elvis to come home. It's so effective. And, like, I really like that bit of physical acting and the staging and everything, you know, and the blocking. 
one of the scenes I really liked in this. Yeah. And she says it a lot in this movie. She says, I miss you a lot throughout the whole movie. And he never says it back to her. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah, very yeah. intentional. Just all those like small details. Are just so really sharp. throughout. Yeah. The movie emphasizes about a million times how young she is. Yes. Explicitly yeah. people in dialogue are like, wow, she's young or whatever. Like it's just, it's like, it's mm-hmm. like everybody says it, right? I mean, yeah. her mom says, oh yeah, he's probably with a woman his own age, huh? Or um, some of the girls at the party. Wow, she's young. Like it's hammered home again and again and again. Like this is not something yeah. you're meant to ignore, right? Yeah. And the movie itself is more than half of it takes place while she's still in high school, right? Like it doesn't jump ahead. And like even once she gets to Graceland, she still has to go to high school, like pass her classes. Yeah. There's also like, I mean, I guess we'll get into like his controlling aspects too. But like one of the things he says very early on is he even says to uh, our parents like, oh, she's much more mature than her age, which I was like, wow, I guess maybe in like, I don't know. 19 like 58 that wasn't a cliche groomer line but i feel like <laughs> <laughs> you can't get away with she's much more mature than her age in 2023 <laughs> yeah so i think that's a very intentional line too right elvis said it first no <laughs> yeah yeah the originator this movie has all these predatory behaviors for elvis that didn't even have like a name back then right no one like said grooming or like gaslighting or there like wasn't a term for but people knew it was fucking weird because people commented on yeah it no 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 diegetically course, yeah. like, in the film yeah. but the weird thing is like it was weird but not weird enough for anybody to stop it like her parents were like all right i guess we want to date a 24 year old like whatever it's like oh really yeah. it's real <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah like they were like weirded out and protective but then they were just kind of like ah, all right fine whatever it's 1958 yeah. it's cool like <laughs> is it <laughs> i don't know like was the norm just that like it would have been unthinkable I think it's easier to swallow when he's, like, the most famous man on the face of the earth, right? Yeah, the celebrity, right? But, Derek, you mentioned that Elvis seemed like a real person in this movie, but it is also very unapologetic and not painting him in a very good light, right? He is yeah. a gaslighter. He is a manipulator. He's kind of a fucking weirdo. He's very strange. And, like, one of the most uncomfortable scenes is that Priscilla's a teenage girl. She's, like got urges and she's horny and she wants to have sex with elvis and he's like reading his little philosophy books and he's like no interest it's so fucking awkward to watch he like flies off the handle oh yeah very volatile and abusive in that way and i mean and you know who didn't like it was lisa marie presley r.i.p she actually died earlier this year um in january but she said like you know, my father only comes across as a predator and manipulative. As his daughter, I don't read this see any of my father in his character. I don't read this and see my mother's perspective of my father. I read this and see your shockingly vengeful and contemptuous perspective, and I don't understand why. Yeah, and that was a letter, like, she addressed to Sophia to Coppola, Sophia Coppola right? yeah. So, I mean, right along there with Bruce Lee's daughter as uh, <laughs> famous daughters unhappy with their father's portrayal on film. Yeah. Yeah, this movie definitely takes a position, and it's, it's not pro-Elvis. <laughs> I mean, it is based on Priscilla Presley's book and yes, Priscilla Presley yeah. gave the movie its blessing Dude, so I Wasn't mean she a producer yeah she's like an yeah. executive yeah, producer yeah. isn't she yeah, she's yeah. Executive producer. yeah I believe she's not in any kind of ownership over Elvis's rights right like that fell on to well it was Lisa Marie and now it's his granddaughter right Riley Keough Riley Keough yeah there is this separation between Priscilla and the you know Elvis estate she wrote this book and she's helping to produce this movie it definitely does not have the backing of the mm-hmm. Elvis estate, right? And, and clearly, you know, they didn't give the music and they are 
outright using Lisa Marie's words to try to damage this movie a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I mean, obviously Lisa Marie was entitled to her opinion, but a daughter's relationship with her father and the wife's relationship with the father are two very different things. And from Priscilla's perspective, there's probably tons of things that Lisa Marie didn't even know, right? And that's probably what that book is about. I haven't actually read the book, but I'm sure there's a lot of the manipulation and gaslighting and abusive behavior in that book that maybe Lisa Marie wasn't privy to. I mean, you want to protect your kids. Yeah, for sure. I don't want to assume that I know, but it makes sense to me. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. What did you guys think of, uh, you mentioned the philosophy, what do you think of his little like horror Bible club he had going? What was that about? (laughs) Well, that was interesting because that was like another aspect where I was like, you know, uh, clearly, again, I don't know anything about Elvis. So like, it was interesting to see that side of it. And, you know, again, the Baz Luhrmann movie didn't even allude to this either. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting what these two movies decide to show and portray about Elvis. It's not like either of them are really false, right? Neither of them are entirely true. But of all accounts, some of this stuff did happen where he was reading all these philosophy books, doing these little sermons and stuff with these younger kids. It was interesting to see that side of Elvis too. I think these two movies, like you said, Derek, are in conversation with each other. And when you put them together, whether these movies like it or not, it does feel like puzzle pieces coming together. You know what I mean? So yeah, like, what did you think about that scene, Amir? I thought it was strange. I guess it just underlines the magnetism that someone like Elvis has that just has this gaggle of girls like just sitting at his feet like he's some kind of guru. Mm hmm trying to like learn wisdom from him like it just speaks to that incredible magnetism of someone who's like you know tall and handsome and rich and famous and incredibly talented that kind of guy is gonna have women throwing himself at all points enough Mm -hmm. so that if he is just like a weirdo and it's like hey do you all want to listen to me teach you about whatever philosophy or weird mysticism stuff is in this book tons of people are gonna be like yeah sure i'd love to go to your weird bible class or whatever the hell it is right i totally buy it he's flirting with the girl in the audience and so like you know, his wife gets up and leaves, right? Yeah. It's all very of a piece with his other actions in the movie. But it was very bizarre. He is kind of strange. Yeah. And then there's that point where he gets a phone call from the colonel. And it's like, cut that shit out. Cut the philosophy stuff out. And like the next scene is him like burning all of his yeah, books. book burning? Yeah. That was pretty wild. Yeah. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> My screening burst into laughter when that happened. It was such a stark cut. <laughs> Yeah. He's fucking burning yeah, like, the uh, books. And he's like burning a bunch of books, yeah. It's, it's so interesting because then this movie makes the choice of never showing the colonel, right? Yeah. And if I didn't watch the other movie, completely honest, I'd be like, who the fuck is the colonel? Like, I wouldn't know who the colonel was. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Having watched that movie, I know exactly who he was. You know, he was the person that controlled Elvis, right? Yeah. If you were to believe that movie. So it's so interesting to see that movie where Elvis, in a sense, was the victim in that movie, right? Right. He mm. had his vices. He wasn't the best yes, person. Yes, and in this, he's the perpetrator. Yeah. He's the perpetrator. The, Very good he's point. The alpha. It's so interesting to, again, think about these two movies together. And I found that so fascinating. The Colonel is mentioned throughout the movie, but like that was mm-hmm. the one scene where you actually kind of got to see his influence, right? Yeah. Because it was like, hey, cut that shit out. And the next scene is like him burning books. So he's he like, he understands like, so, he yeah. does so on Colonel's command. Yeah. This is like a very just overall relationship between Elvis and Priscilla. It's just like this very volatile, unstable relationship. And 
Yeah. You know, you almost don't realize how precarious her position is until they get married. And then you're like, oh, wow, now she's at least has some kind of safety, some kind of claim. Because like before that, she's just like a 17 year old who's like hanging out at his mansion, who he's like constantly mm-hmm. cheating on all the time. And then like even after they get married and she's pregnant, he's like, hey, let's just take a break. And I was like, you want to take a break? mid-marriage with the girl you just impregnated. Like, what an insane thing to, like, say. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was blown away by that. I thought that was so wild. All of his manipulations are so ugly. He, like, flies off the handle, and he's like, you know what? You should stay with your mom for a while. It's Mm -hmm. fucking wild. Yeah, and he's, like, throwing all the luggage. He's like, let me help you. It's a hard scene to watch. She finds, like, the love notes in his jacket. There's, like, a lipstick print from another girl on it. I think it's from his co-star from that movie, Anne Margaret. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just fucking gaslighting. He's like, I keep telling you these things don't mean anything. And like, it's clearly like a lie, right? It's just really difficult to watch. It's difficult to watch because you can see like she has no agency, right? A- at yeah, all in this relationship, absolutely. right? Where she tries to build up the courage or she tries to like have this moment where as an audience, we know she's right. She knows yeah. she's right, but then a second he flips out, like, she just curls, right? She just recedes and, like, can't fight Well, him. how could she fight it? She doesn't have a job yeah. of her own at his behest, right? He forces her to not yeah. have a job so that can play this role, right? Yeah. She wants to just get, like, a little job at, like, a, I don't know, a fashion boutique or something like that. Yep. And he's yeah. like, you know, you can either have a career or me. I need a woman who is going to, like, be there for me 100% of the time and cannot distract you by her job or whatever. I need you there to answer the phone when I want to talk yeah. to you. So then she's completely isolated in terms of not having her own finances. She's completely dependent on him. Living in his house uh, just gets money from him. And there's a lot of it, granted. But, I mean, you know, it, it's all at his behest. He controls the spigot. And that's intentional. Yeah. He also says – he says this a lot. And it's interesting. He always says he wants her to, like, keep the home fires burning. But, like, what does she actually – do because they live in a giant house with a bunch of servants and shit. So she's not actually like taking care of the house and they don't have kids yet. She's not taking care of the kids. So she's just kind of hanging out, being bored, oh, waiting yeah. for him mm-hmm. to come back and need her. Right. Yeah. Like, she's not really doing anything except for playing the role. Like he needs her to fill this role of Elvis's girlfriend. Wife. Oh, not girlfriend even wife slash yet, wife. Right. Yeah. Cause like they're not even yeah. married. They're not even having sex yet, supposedly. And, you know, but he needs her to, like, fill this role in his head of, like, the perfect wifely figure. And that person doesn't work. You know what I mean? And so even though she's not doing any other time, like, no, you can't work. It serves to control her, but it's also, like, he wants her to fit this vision. It's very – that combined with the no sex before marriage thing is very Madonna whore complex going on because he's constantly stepping out Mm -hmm. on her with other women, but he won't fuck her. The whole thing is very weird. Yeah. That's what that one scene was about. She's just standing around in the living room. She's like, uh, I don't really have anything to do. Right. So she's like fixing herself. She's posing herself, just waiting for Elvis to come back. It's just so uncomfortable. She goes and bothers the girls who work in like the front office or whatever. She's like trying to talk to them and make friends with them. And then Elvis's dad is like, fuck off. You're like distracting them from their work. Right. And she's like, all right. So what do I do? Yeah. She can't even go outside with the dog. Someone's like, I don't think you should be out here. You shouldn't Like the photographers and everything. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's so controlling. Very Gilded Cage-esque, like, Spencer, right? Mm -hmm. You know, with, like, Diana in the palace and everything. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, the scene that was, I think, most shocking to me, I think it's, like, one of the first shots, right? We see her put on her iconic cat-eye makeup Uh and, like, putting on her lashes. But then 
it's in the middle of the movie you find out like she was putting on her lashes right before she was going to give birth right like she was getting ready Mm, yeah yeah her water broke and like they weren't rushing to the hospital elvis was getting ready she was putting on makeup she was putting on lashes and then they head to the hospital that blew my mind a little bit that Mm -hmm. she has to be this image, like this moment of duress for her, right? When she's probably in pain and like worried about her child and probably wants to get to a hospital to give birth. She still has to think about putting on makeup to be Elvis's wife. Yeah. So the one thing I kind of wish this movie did, my one tiny little gripe with this is I kind of wish that we could witness the collapse of Elvis's image from priscilla's perspective rather than Mm. him being like this creepy guy this entire time i feel like the collapse of that image gradually throughout the movie or even just like the first half of the movie would have made it a little more effective i think because i think even from the beginning something's just off right i mean giant age gap aside (laughs) yeah yeah i mean you know it's gonna go bad just because of the age gap and if you know the history but you know, she's a 14-year-old girl and he's fucking Elvis, right? So, like, yeah, there is that genuine desire and draw from her perspective, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if Sofia Coppola's, I guess it's not really her style. A lot of her characters are very internal. They're mm-hmm. not very outwardly emotional. And I think that's the kind of approach she also took with Priscilla, right? Because there was no moment where she's, like, not talking to one of the servants or talking to someone like, hey, maybe I should leave him, right? Is this normal? Right. I totally understand what you're saying. There's no flip. It's all of a sudden like, oh, this is it. This is the moment where she decides she just wants to leave now. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't see that. Not necessarily what was the driving force, but like more of the events may be leading to that kind of tipping point. But it right? does feel inevitable, right? Because of the like- It does. Like, yeah. He's constantly ignoring her, going on tour, leaving her back at home, obviously cheating on her flagrantly throughout the relationship. And so then by the end, they've grown so apart. She like goes to what, San Fran to raise the baby and like he's like off wherever. She starts getting her own friends and she's going out and talking with the girls and like she's never had friends before in this movie, right? She's so isolated. The first- mm-hmm. 80 or 90% of this movie, right? So all of a sudden, she's going out with friends. She's cheating on him with her karate instructor, like developing her own identity, getting freedom, right? And so, you know, you see her breaking away long before she finally is like, yeah, we have to to divorce. I mean, I don't know if it's long before. I do feel like the second half is a little condensed. You know, I feel like we spent a lot of the movie in like kind of the early relationship, even before they got married. Absolutely. But then it's like, it seems accelerated where it's like, hey, they get married. Now they're having a kid. And then it was the 64 comeback. It's the Vegas years. And now it's finally like she's done, right? How long are they together in real life? I actually don't know. That's a good question. I mean, it's a long relationship, I guess, but I don't think it's that long a marriage, right? Mm. I don't know if you could say they're together from when she's 14 because he leaves to go back to America, right? And leaves her in Germany. And so then they get back together again at like, what, 16 or something like that? Well, it's like 14 years, I think. The movie begins in 1959, and then her confrontation with him after his performance is in 1973. So that's 14 years. Yeah, I don't know, 14 years. like the final, final scene where she finally drives away from Graceland. I don't know when that is, but... Yeah, but I mean, you have to assume that's right. I mean, yeah. it's like oh, right after, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, okay, so this is like a 14-year, you know, from 14 to 28. God, she's only 28. Isn't that insane? Yeah. She's had a whole... 14-year relationship, marriage, had a kid, divorced before 30. That's wild. But they're actually only married from 1967. Seven. So they're only married for six years, even though they're together for Mm -hmm. 14. And for obviously for most of that 
relationship, she's too young to like for him to want to sleep with. Which at first I was like, oh, this is like him like restraining himself and like not being a pedophile. But I think part of it is his weird Madonna horror thing too, and like the purity, all of that. Like there's something weird going on there too. Yeah. But yeah, it's a very long relationship and a sort of a short marriage, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the ending because I totally mm. get where you're coming from, Derek, where, you know, the movie just kind of peters out with her leaving Graceland. And I think that's obviously by design. I mean, that's the story she wanted to tell, right? She goes from the yeah. beginning of this relationship to its end, right? It's not a movie about Elvis's <laughs> yeah. career or about Priscilla Presley's entire life, right? It's about this segment, this foundational relationship. So Yeah, and I think it is effective in the way that it's just like, oh, where does she go from here, you know? And it's a very muted, downbeat ending to the movie where, you know, it plays uh, Dolly Parton's I Will Always Love You. I don't know if it's supposed to be diegetic, right? I don't think it is. But it is that year, actually, recorded in 1973 by Dolly Parton. It is okay, exactly so that year as she, as she's leaving. Yeah, it's perfect. It's dead on. This story has kind of been out there, but for anyone that doesn't know, there is kind of a meaningful use of that song, a connection to Elvis. Elvis actually wanted to cover that song, I Will Always Love You mm -hmm. by Dolly Parton. But then if he did, he was also demanding some of the rights to the song in order for him to also get paid for using that song or for anyone mm -hmm. using that song. Very famously, Dolly Parton said no, refused to let him do that. So it's very meaningful at the end when like, finally, this is the moment Priscilla is saying no and leaving the situation and an empowering moment for her. Then mm -hmm. to also kind of relate back to this song where like, you know, it's this very prominent female artist who said no to Elvis. This is my song. I'm going to keep the rights to my song. Yeah. Like, you know, a lot of people have been praising the song choice, at least for this end scene. Yeah. And I'm very, very partial to Spencer's revisionist metaphor where diana drives off and that's such a like interesting thing to do for an ending that i kind of wish there was something similar in this movie where it kind of took a risk and went for i don't need it to be revisionist or even like a metaphor but something with a little more punch to it i know that it's the intention to not give you that really felt catharsis but i would like that you want more, it. You know what mm. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to place those two side by side too, you know? I think I totally agree with you, Jeff. Like I had that kind of same feeling at mm -hmm. the end of this movie, right? There wasn't really this large like emotional swing to this and that was kind of it. Yeah. Well, kind of how real life goes, you know? And her real life went. It's just how it is. Yeah. I guess uh, the one last scene I actually really wanted to talk about was the scene where they spent a couple days in Elvis's room. Days and days are passing because the maids are like dropping off food. The food's getting mm. eaten. Like in any other movie, this would be almost romantic, right? Like it's these two people in love trying to spend time with each other and isolating themselves in this room. But I couldn't help but also then think, yes, maybe this is romantic, but also this is another, again, aspect of him trolling her. First, she's confined to like Graceland. And then she's confined to the house and now feels like she's only confined to this one room. Like she can't now for these couple days escape this one room. Um, I thought yeah, that was I mean, a really... The movie yeah. lays the groundwork for him being like a sexless freak around Priscilla, right? So mm -hmm. it makes you think about not the romance, but like you said, how trapped she is. Earlier you said, Amir, that maybe it would be hard for you to recommend this movie. I mean, I think for me, if you've seen Baz Luhrmann's Elvis, I would say you should absolutely watch this. 
Like, I think they just speak so well together. It would be so interesting to do. Like, again, like we've been saying, like a double feature, right? I think I agree with you. I guess I don't remember what I said at the time, but um, if Mm -hmm. I think about it, I'm not sure who I can recommend Basil Lermazovis to either. (laughs) 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 And I like that one. I'm not saying I don't like it, but I just, in terms of, you know a movie you recommend to people, uh, you know, and that, that also comes with a big question mark in front of it. I mean, this one is shorter than Basil Orman's Elvis, too, Yes, by a certainly. Lot. It is short. Yes. Yeah. This one's sub two hours, which I always like. I like that one, but it didn't yeah. feel short. No, I yeah. The beginning sequences of the movies are pretty long. They stretch out. You feel that hollowness and isolation. It might be short, but it's not mm-hmm, zippy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so much Absolutely. of it is, like, uncomfortable. Yeah. By design, right? So I agree with you. Yeah, but I really like this. I really like this a lot. Yeah, it's good. I don't know if I liked it, but it, it, it was good. Like, I, I you know what I mean? I appreciate the quality of it. It might not be to my taste, but I get it. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I think I'm there with you, Jeff. This might maybe at the end of the year creep into my top 10. I can see why. I'm not hating on that decision. Yeah. If there's nothing else, I think that will conclude this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find more of your work? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at strangeharbors. What about you guys? Uh, you can find me at the world's okayest photos on Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our show is to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, whether it be Apple, Spotify, Google, or any of the other popular apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get our voices out to more people. Yeah, if any of your questions, comments, suggestions on our episode on Sofia Coppola's Priscilla. Feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like getting listener mail. Sometimes we read it out on the pod. And with that, we will see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.